They say that experience is the best teacher, and the best way to learn from experience is to learn from others who have already found success. For this season of the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast, Michael has lined up a great group of successful people who will share their stories of how they got started and some powerful lessons from their accomplishments. He'll also be introducing you to people who are just starting on their entrepreneurship journey to share what they've learned so far. Success is not just about money, and we'll meet some people who have been successful in very unique ways. Entrepreneurship is an exciting journey, and we're glad to be along for the ride with you. Here's your host, the guy who knows a guy, Michael Whitehouse. Welcome to the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. I am Michael Whitehouse, and today I have the honor of interviewing David Baer with The Prepared Group. He describes himself as a wine geek, theater geek, and marketing geek, all three of which sound pretty awesome. So, David, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm awesome, Michael. Thanks so much for having me on. appreciate it. Absolutely. Definitely wanted to have you here because I know you do lots of different things and have many stories and are full of all kinds of useful and useless information. So oh, I thought boy. it'd be fun, if nothing else. <laughs> uh, so, so tell the folks at home a bit about yourself um, and what you do and who you are and why you're awesome. All right. Well, uh, I can't. I can't promise the awesome part, but here's uh, who I am and what I do. Um, I am on uh, uh, career trajectory number three, and I think I'm staying where I am at this point. Um, but I, I run. <laughs> I think. I think. Uh, I I co-run a uh, marketing strategy consulting firm, and we work with uh, small businesses helping them actually figure out the marketing stuff that they've been struggling with for years and have been putting off dealing with so that we can show them where all the money is that's sitting right in front of them that they haven't been taking advantage of for all that time. That sounds important. Um, And now we say small business. How small are we talking? Well, I have a lot of solo entrepreneurs. Uh, One of our sweet spots in our business is working with financial advisors. And a lot of those folks are just a one person shop. Um, Okay. But we work, we work with, um, I mean, look, a small business is a, is a pretty, um, by, by at least the federal government's uh, definition, a f- pretty broad range. We work typically at the lower end of that scale, typically, you know, under a million to about five to eight million. Okay. So, so yeah, yeah I, I know what you mean. With, that's why I asked a small business. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, small business can be quite large compared yes. to what some people are thinking when they think small business. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's, yeah, so, some of those very large car dealerships are um, so considered <laughs> small, but you know, 75 employees. Oh, right. small business. Well, I guess the, the a better way of describing it is uh, a business that doesn't have somebody who is full-time dedicated to marketing. They, okay. might have, they might have somebody who's tasked with marketing activities. They might have somebody who they think is their marketing person, but that person is really only a graphic designer and doesn't know uh-huh. anything about you know lead generation. That's really our sweet spot, and that tends to be at the the lower end of the spectrum in terms of uh, revenue. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, that's, that's a good, very good standard. And I I know quite a few people who who uh, whose businesses meet that description. Excellent. So, I'm looking forward to some introductions. Yes, and that's that's the point of the podcast. It, right. In some ways, when I created the podcast, is almost uh, one of the, the ways I thought of it was a a menu of introductions because you know I'm the guy who knows a guy mm-hmm. and. And I always go out and tell people like, hey, who do you need to meet? When you say that, it's, it's you know, I, I'm your networking genie. I will introduce you to anyone I know. Who do you need? And they're like, uh, 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 customers? And, and so many people's defaults are like, I don't know, customers? Because they don't even know who they need to meet because they're not even thinking about what what's out there. Yeah. 
I, I, I appreciate that that perspective that a lot of business owners really don't know what they need or don't mm-hmm. think about it when it's so critical to their success. Right. And so the fact that you're there to maybe help guide them through the answer to that that vague you know response that they get help help them fine tune it uh, mm-hmm. is really useful. And I know that you have the the insight to be able to help them help them address that. Yeah, and that, that's kind of part of the idea of the Success Success Accelerator Network is one of the things I offer there is my business concierge service, mm-hmm. which is, you know, you you come to me and you say, hey, I I have a problem. Because often it's, I have a problem. I don't even know who you call to, to solve this sort of thing. Like, I need more business. So I got like a marketing guy and he's done a website for me, but I don't know if that's what I need or I'm running an ad, but I don't know if that's what I need. And so, yeah, to have someone who says, okay, you have that problem. What you need is this solution. You know, you don't need a handyman. You need a carpenter for this one. Ah, I, I, that's that's a, a good position for you to be in to, to be able to help guide them through that. Yep. Yeah. Yes, it's an important thing to, to be able to do that. Um, so, so tell me a bit about, you said you, you've gone through a number of, of uh, different career adventures. Um, so how did you get started in entrepreneurship yourself? Accidentally, as... Uh... <laughs> As is often the way. Yeah. Well, um, so, so you introduced me um, in in all of my geekdom, and frankly, those are the three industries that I've worked in. Uh, I started out in the theater industry. I, I worked on and off Broadway. I was a professional stage manager. I ran a, uh, a giant performing arts center for the state of New York. Um, I, I left that job um, mostly out of personality conflict with with somebody else who who I just couldn't tolerate anymore and uh, you know maybe we'll get back to the story about how I found my next job which was um, running giant trade shows in the wine industry oh okay that sounds and, like fun um, uh, and then that that actually brought me from New York out here to Portland Oregon where I uh, have been living since 2008 and I took over the um, sales and marketing um, for a small importer distributor in the wine business, uh, a company that had lots of problems that I really, you know, sometimes when you run away from one problem that you have, you're just looking to avoid that particular problem, mm-hmm. blinded by all of the other bad things, because you know that at least they don't have the problem you were running away from. Yep. Yeah, you're always fighting the last war. Yep. So I took a job at a company that was not well-funded, um, had all kinds of cash flow issues. I didn't. Need, I didn't. You know, even think about that being uh, an issue, uh, and so I didn't ask about it. And had I vetted them better, I wouldn't have found myself um, out of a job, unemployed, because the company went out of business. Uh, Ooh, that's and, yeah, and so I, I could not find a job for the life of me that paid the salary I was making. Um, I could move back out of the Portland market to, uh, you know, another city to to be able to sort of stay on the, at that salary level, or I, uh, I could have done something else. And foolishly, uh, in retrospect, I, um, I, I responded to somebody's outreach on LinkedIn, uh, offering to coach me through franchise ownership, mm. bought a franchise. And as is often the case in franchise ownership, um, I funded it, um, by, a self-directed retirement money. Okay. Um, and I lost it all. 
And, oh no! You know, the company was not a good company. The uh, the people who ran it were not good people, and I didn't know what I didn't know, and made a lot of foolish um, decisions early on. So I, I I declared bankruptcy <laughs> my first my first time at that as a as an entrepreneur, and um, you know that's one of the the lessons that in entrepreneurship I think uh, you hear uh, people you know state over and over again is you need to keep failing because. Mm-hmm those are some of the best lessons and gosh, is that a good lesson? <laughs> Expensive, but good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, my, my first business is my, was, was my master's degree. I didn't actually get a piece of paper from it, but I certainly spent as much as a master's degree. <laughs> right. And I certainly learned as much mm-hmm. as a master's degree. So that's absolutely how it happens. And, and it's amazing, you know, talk about failing, how often um, both, both the concepts of bankruptcy and, and also contemplating suicide come up, all the time when I talk to successful people. I, I'm happy to say that I've only dealt with the first one. Good, um, good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, I mean, there are, look, there, there's often discussion in the entrepreneurship space about how employment and having a job is just as precarious Mm-hmm. being an entrepreneur and and I and I do believe that I mean you know I I look at um, my, my wife has always been and will always be an employee she's very happy in the um, what she perceives as you know the safety net of of having an employer but she just has the same number if not more complaints about her day <laughs> at the end of the day that I you know sometimes do on a really bad day and she mm-hmm. doesn't have the amazing, you know, positive upside days that I do. Yeah. And yeah. she doesn't have the, you know, unlimited income potential that I do. Mm-hmm. And so, it, you know, weighing one against the other, I'm, she, she asked me something the other day about um, uh, somebody was looking, looking to hire a, um, a marketing director at a, at a very large winery here. And thought that that might be, you know, something I should apply for. And I said, well, first of all, I have this thriving business, and second of all, um, I, I, I'm nobody's ever going to hire me again. I can't get hired again. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's, it's the yeah. nature. It's the nature of well, maybe, maybe after COVID, you know, there's there's probably you know a, a retooling of the way that people think about hiring somebody who's been unemployed or been self-employed. But mm-hmm. frankly, it's very tough to move from entrepreneurship back to employment. And most entrepreneurs don't want to. They see all kinds of benefits being employed by themselves mm-hmm. they never even imagined existed when they were an employee. Yeah. Well, it, one of the big ones I've seen is just being able to chase whatever comes in front of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, but before this, I was working. I was technically self-employed, but it was a ten ninety nine close relationship yeah. jobish thing, um, publishing magazine, and and I wasn't making the money I should have slash needed to be making, and so I was was driving Uber on the side. But it was almost a shameful, like, well, I guess because I'm failing at making enough at my quote unquote job, I I have to settle for a gig. Whereas now that I'm really legitimately running my own business, like that's a perfectly valid that the model of I'm going to make money with this gig stuff while I figure out the revenue model over here. So I don't have the pressure on it mm-hmm. and can focus on whatever. That's fine. 
if somebody calls me up and says, hey, I'll give you 200 bucks to do this delivery gig for me, I can just take it yeah. because it's all about I'm running my business to to get some cash flow, do some good, learn some things, make connections. I can really pursue whatever opportunity presents itself, which is really exciting. Hey, by the way, I did I did that as well. I what, What's the other company? I can't remember. Uh, Lyft? Yeah, Lyft, right? So yep. Lyft, Lyft was much bigger in the Portland market mm-hmm. uh, uh, than, than Uber was. And in fact, you know, it's, there's this is one of those cities I live in now that like, you know, they, they root for the underdog and Lyft was the underdog. So <laughs> they're probably like more, more Avis rentals than Hertz here as well. Um, but so I, I drove for them uh, basically when I first arrived at the market. I didn't last long because I, uh, I got really busy in my, in my main business. But I would have my phone uh, I'd sit, you know, in the dining room in my house, have my phone sitting out there with the app open. And if there was, you know, an alert, hey, can you go pick somebody up? I would just, you know, stop what I was doing, race out to the car and go mm-hmm. and drive somebody someplace and, you know, pick up you know, 20 bucks here and there. Yeah. And it was great. And I had the uh, freedom and ability to do that. And so I yes. appreciated that because at that moment in time, I needed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that's you. And, and then, of course, the thing I realized when I'm thinking about, you know, I, as I mentioned before the show, I'm, I'm, I always partly in the back of my mind when I'm talking to people and, and getting this advice and, and having you, you share your wisdom, thinking about that guy who's, you know, working two jobs, struggling, barely getting by, kids exhausted. Uh, you know, we talk about like, stop watching Netflix and get to work. Well, you know, this guy's watching Netflix because he just can't drag himself off the couch because he's so tired from his 12 hour day. Yeah. And that guy could go drive Uber. I mean, at this point I'm making 30 bucks an hour doing it mm-hmm. and, and it's not work. It's, it's driving a car, listening to podcasts and yeah. meeting, meeting new people and learning about the world. It's it, like, I, I, I would pay not that I had the money. I would pay 30 bucks an hour to do that. Uh, given the chance, like it's just, it's tremendous. And if people realized what was out there, not just Uber, but all these other things they could do, even without going going full bore entrepreneur like we do, um, there's just so many so many opportunities in the world these days that are beyond just getting twelve fifteen bucks an hour for for a job. And I think that's changed a lot in the in the very recent past, right? So mm-hmm. uh, you know there was this idealism around entrepreneurship and freedom that's that's existed forever mm-hmm. for you know at, at least since since you know, sometime after the industrial revolution, I guess. Um, But in fact, you couldn't really realize a lot of this stuff as easily as we can these days because of, uh, you know, some of the technology, some of the, our our ability to communicate with people uh, at Mm -hmm. long distances. I mean, you and I are at opposite ends of the country, but this morning uh, I was talking to somebody in, uh, in India and we have mm-hmm. a client we, we work with in Dubai, and you know I have a, a partner on a project in Australia. I couldn't have done those things in my business, let alone you know just um, just as a, as an entrepreneur connecting with people uh, until you know just just a handful of years ago. Yep, absolutely. And so I think that a lot of um, a lot of those guys who are sitting there watching Netflix because they're just so burned out um, may still not be tuned into all of the potential opportunity that exists now. Mm-hmm. The last time they even really explored the idea of going out and doing something on their own, it may have been, you know, eight, 10 years ago. Yeah. And none of this was as developed as it is now. Yeah. Well, and, and there's so much automation for small businesses. I remember when I, when I owned my store back in the, 
in the aughts. We're calling it the aughts now, the 2000s. Um, <laughs> I, I, I had QuickBooks and I didn't need a bookkeeper because I had a computer to do that. I paid once for QuickBooks and I had, I didn't need a bookkeeper. Uh, 20 years earlier, I would have been paying someone to be a bookkeeper. Mm-hmm. 20 years before that, you know, any business, you needed a secretary um, because there was just so much, so much work that needed to be, you know, typing letters and whatnot. Uh, it was very difficult to do that entirely on your own. So, you know, now with computers and technology and email and, you know, you don't have to go to the post office. You don't have to have a bookkeeper. Um, there's just so many things that are, are automated and and cheap. I mean, you know, we're, we're recording this on Zencaster, which is tremendous technology. Zencaster.com, by the way. Um, and it's free. I don't pay for it. Yeah. Uh, they've got a premium version, but I don't use it. So, you know, this amazing technology is available free and so many other things we do. You know, Zoom, 15 bucks and 15 bucks a month. Calendly is 14 bucks a month. Just all these amazing resources we have that um, it's like having a staff of two or three in the computers. Totally. And and there's one additional extension of this, which is that you can be doing the types of work, the uh, type of work that didn't even exist. So, I mean, the, the gig economy, mm-hmm. thing, you know, is, is a good example of that. But, you know, also the kinds of delivery of outsourced um services like you were talking about a bookkeeper mm-hmm. well now suddenly there are people who you can go to a website like fiverr or upwork or any of those places and hire to do stuff and a, and a lot of those folks are not making very much money yep from our perspective but a lot of those folks are depending on where they are in the world you know i've, I've hired um uh, Pakistani uh, automation specialist to build out campaigns in Infusionsoft for me, right? Mm-hmm. And and I was paying them what were amazing wages for where they live. Yeah, so there's all kinds of opportunity that I I really think. Look, I'm I'm not I'm not uh, counseling or coaching anybody about the way to uh, move forward if they want to move from employment to self employment, but think more broadly about the the possibilities and potential maybe it's about starting with the life that you want to have and then how Mm -hmm. you build the income opportunity around that life absolutely yeah and and you know just knowing it's there knowing the the opportunity exists even if you have no idea how to find it you you never look for something you don't know exists but once you once you know it exists then you can be okay it's there and you know that's sort of where i am with my business i know what i'm looking for is there somewhere um, and, and part of it's also realizing that one of my main drivers is, is not so much financial as it is helping people. And, you know, that, that's why I'm doing these interviews, because I want to share this knowledge with those people out there who, uh, you know, are, are working the crappy job instead of getting the gig economy or instead of finding a better job or whatever mm-hmm. to let them know there, there's a better way. And that, that's, and once I realized that that was one of my driving forces more than money. Um, as opposed to, you know, chasing money and not getting it. And you're like, oh, why do I suck? Oh, because I don't want money. I mean, I want money. Don't get me wrong. I definitely, somebody gives me money. I don't say, no, I don't, I don't need it. I, I, I just do good just for, for good. I don't need the money. You know, I like money. But it's, you know, you have to know, like, what are your driving forces that really, really compel you and motivate you? Sure. Sure. And and, and like I said, that's that's a possibility now in a way that it never really has been before. And so. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, show, showing people that path and and, and the, the potential that's there is, is mm-hmm. an awesome thing. So good for you. Yep. So so getting back into your your uh, business journey, sure. Um, what are some things that you 
you know, that, that you wish a coach had told you earlier on in the process? Gosh, um, don't, don't buy that franchise would be a, <laughs> would have would have been a good one. Um, however, uh, that that didn't happen. Uh, I, I think that what I really needed to um, I, I I started the consulting firm that that I now run with my partner Ken Cook, um, partially because of the mistakes that I made, and. I knew better because I knew the stuff. I knew the principles behind good business building systems and smart marketing that I prescribed to my clients. But, you know, the, the whole, um, that whole cobbler's children syndrome mm-hmm. that a lot of us have where we don't treat ourselves um, with the solutions that we treat others with. We, yep, don't, yep. we don't prescribe to ourselves the uh, um, the right things or the right order or the right, you know, um, in the right way that we would advise others to. I didn't do that for myself. And so that's mm-hmm. that was a big piece of my bankruptcy was because I was doing what every business owner I've ever met does, which is I was making decisions on emotion Mm-hmm. I didn't step back and have a strategic plan for business growth. Uh, I, I aligned myself with a terrible franchisor, which, uh, which, which you know was was another issue. And and so, I already gave you a couple of examples of me not really looking at the whole picture and vetting people properly, mm-hmm. um, both you know an employer and the franchisor. That's probably advice that I that I really could have used. Is before you die, you know, before you dive head first, maybe you want to ask some questions, or maybe you want to find somebody who's been there, so that you can ask them what questions you should be asking. I that certainly do that stuff now. So, so what are some of the questions you would ask if you were getting into, or or that you would recommend someone to ask if they were getting into a franchise situation? Yeah. So here's here's one of the things that I learned about franchising after the fact. So. Um, you know that franchises are basically sold mostly through a consultant or coach or somebody who f- goes out and finds people who want to start a business and then they introduce them to a franchise and then the franchise uh, you know does a dog and pony show selling them on why uh, this is you know s- such a great investment you as the franchisee fork over a huge amount of money and the franchisor pays the person who brought them to you, the referral person. So the, the coach who, you know, was helping me through the process. That sounds like a good gig for the coach. It, it could very well be. So I was relying on the coach to give me guidance without knowing really how incentivized they were to just sell me something, right? Mm. And so that was part of it is that I, I, I didn't ask the right questions there. Like, so how are you compensated? <laughs> I know I'm not paying you, at least not directly. Well, apparently yep. I am, right? Um, so that was, that was a failure on my part to really understand their incentive. Mm. Uh, another piece of it was that during the process, and you, I'm, I'm talking specifically about franchise because you asked 
yeah. about franchise. I'm I'm not sour on the concept of franchising, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sour on the experience that I had. Yes, yeah. Um, so another piece of it is that, and this this happens um, with, you know, when you're giving references for you know a job, you give references of people you know are going to give you good references, right? Nobody's yep. going to say, yeah, I'll be, a, I'll be a referral for you and then say bad things about you. Mm-hmm. That's what happens with the franchise world too, is that I wanted to learn from other people who had had experience with this company. So they introduced me to a bunch of people. And I stupidly sat there and I had these great conversations where I learned all about the awesomeness that, you know, that was this brand new business partnership that I was going into but I never talked to anybody who had bad stories or complaints about them. And I found out about those people a little bit later on. <laughs> right. Yep. Had I, had I dug deeper, had I thought about the fact that, you know, they're, they're just selling me something and they're positioning, you know, showing me the roses and not showing me the, the big uh, garbage can around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. And, and, and also the challenge with that, that kind of, um, that kind of something more of a broker than a coach almost. Yes. But, but it's, it's a one shot relationship. Um, yeah. Cause that's, that's one of the things I, I try to be transparent about with my, you know, uh, networking or business concierge concept is if somebody comes to me and says, Hey, I need a website built or I need a lead funnel or I need a whatever. I'm going to refer to them to someone probably who's going to give me money for that. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to pay money and a piece of that comes to me. But I then want them to ask me for the next thing they need and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. It's not a one-time relationship. Yes. Whereas you have my franchise once, most likely. Mm-hmm. So if I re- I'm only going to refer them to someone who I think can do the job well. And if they don't do it well, I'm going to be there to be like, hey, you messed with my client, one of my clients. We need to straighten this out because I've got an ongoing relationship. Whereas this broker, he hooks you up with the franchise. Most people aren't going to buy two franchises in their life. So, you know, one sale and done. Maybe if you're lucky, there will be a referral. More likely you'd refer someone to the franchise, not to the broker. It's very possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a really good point. And um, I'm not sure that they think about it in those terms. Hey, I'm going to screw this guy because what does it matter? He's not going to buy anything else from me anyway, right? But but not intentional, but just they're not going to care. Right. That they're not worried about how do my clients do five years later? Yeah. Because it's not their problem. The, The the check is signed and deposited, and you're off. And and besides, if you fail, you should have done better anyway, because he represents good companies. True, and I, I do remember actually going back to the the, the person who brokered the deal, the, the coach, uh, mm-hmm. and and you know saying, "Hey, please don't send anybody else to this company. They're really quite terrible." And I didn't get the best uh, follow up from that person. They were like, "Why why do I need to talk to you anymore?" Right, kind of. Kind of response. Yep. So, well, are you buying to the franchise? Right. And why are we talking? <laughs> what, what are we doing here? Exactly. Yep. Um, so, so your 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 primary field is in in the world of marketing and lead generation. Correct. Um, so, what are some some uh, common errors and missteps that you see small businesses making in your in your world? Yeah. So, so this is the entire reason why. Um, Ken and I started the business that we started is because uh, from our perspective, and and frankly, we're right because it's our perspective. Um, that was a joke. Thank you, Michael. Uh, the, Your perspective is always right, whether the facts match or not. <laughs> the, the, the whole world of marketing 
the way that it's sold by those who sell marketing services and the way that it's bought by businesses is really broken, which is to say that almost everything in marketing, advertising, you know, business growth is discussed in terms of tactics and not mm-hmm. strategy. Yep, yep. Hey, I got to I got to run Facebook ads because you know my competition is or I got to be on TikTok because my nephew told me it's super cool or I hear Clubhouse is awesome. I need to start, you know, a club and you know, a year from now maybe Clubhouse won't exist anymore. Who knows? But it, there's this focus on what is the the the, the latest and greatest um, platform uh, or what is the uh, the place that I need to be because everybody else is mm-hmm. and there isn't a very clear discussion in the world of marketing or advertising around what strategically do I need to do to grow my business let's look at it from a broader perspective and then help you know uh, and then figure out what tactics are most appropriate there and so that's that's the overarching mistake is that okay. yeah. is that everybody is driven by tactics the second big mistake is that the vast majority of businesses focus all of their efforts all of their money, all of their time in the most expensive marketing activity. Do you know what that is? Uh, the stuff that doesn't work? <laughs> this, this very well could work, but, okay. it's, but it's the most expensive. And, and you know, f- sorry for setting you up there for failure, but uh, it's... It's okay, I can take it. <laughs> it's lead generation from a cold market. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. That, that's pretty rough. You are spending the most amount of time and energy and effort and money right? mm-hmm. um, on getting new people to find out about you yes. and trying to sell them, whereas there is much more opportunity to make more money and to find new customers, clients, patients, members, donors, whatever – from your existing customer base, client base. Mm, Um, And and so that is an area that I think most businesses really um, uh, screw up totally. There's, there's basically, there's, there's a few different ways that you can grow your revenue. Okay. There's raise your prices, charge more. Mm -hmm. There's, sell more to the people who are currently buying yep. in terms of quantity or sell more frequently to the people who are currently buying. Okay. Okay. And though all, all of those things, right. None of them are find more people to buy. Right. You know, um, th- that is absolutely a, a critical piece is you need people who are buying. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so selling to new markets, selling to new people, absolutely piece of it. So, you know, okay. It is, it is one of those things in terms of growing revenue, but it's the, it's the last one that I would focus a lot of energy on because once you have a system of new customers or clients, patients coming in, 
I would focus all the time and energy and effort and money on the on the on the back end, on the mm-hmm. keeping people around, right? Retention of of your customers. So you were talking about that that um, that uh, franchise coach who only had the one sale, versus yeah. businesses that are set up in a way that they are building a relationship and selling repeatedly to you, mm, right? Yep. That's the structure of the business that you want to be in. It's, it's a business where you can build a relationship and sell on an ongoing basis. It may just be once a year, maybe once every three years. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Realtors are a good example of this. Yeah. My realtor, I, I bought my house now uh, 11 years ago. But next time I'm going to have another transaction in real estate, I'm calling him. Mm-hmm. I've referred so much business to him, right? Yeah. His model may seem like it's you know one and done, but it's not. Yeah. If he does the types of things that I teach my clients to do and that most businesses should be doing, he's going to make so much money from that one transaction he had with me, even if I never hire him again. Yeah, and it, it makes sense. You know, talk about doing that kind of like high touch follow up. Mm-hmm. Um, that that it it may seem expensive to do that with someone who bought their house and plans to live there for the rest of their life. But you know, compared compared trying to earn a referral from them to trying to get people through billboards or Facebook or whatever, um, that might be a better bet to to work with so, to to keep nurturing the people who are actually happy with what you did for them. Totally. And uh, I, I'm, I'm just thinking as, a, as I'm telling that story, I think that I have referred five or six clients who had transactions with him his way. One of whom became a, um, uh, an investor in multiple properties and they went Ooh. business together. Nice. So, so they, it was a you know, design build guy who then he started a relationship with and started building houses all over town. I don't know how many tens or hundreds of millions of dollars he made from that referral. That's pretty good. Yeah. Now, are, are there some particular things that he's done that, that are good for, for keeping that relationship engaged? Cause obviously, you know, he's not going to say anything about dude. I assume he's not just being like, Hey, Hey, you got referrals. Hey, you got referrals. Hey, you got referrals. Yes. He is not doing that. <laughs> Cause, Cause that is not how you go back to your clients for referrals. <laughs> Um, there's all kinds of ways that you can ref- get referrals. Um, the, the, the first, first thing that I would highly recommend, and this is, this is one of the things that we, um, we, we work with our, our clients to build systems around is to figure out who you should be asking for referrals from. Ooh, yes, that's big. And who you shouldn't, right? So mm-hmm. there, there is something that, uh, uh, is called the net promoter score. MP, uh, NPS. Okay. You Google it, you can find it. But everybody uh, who's listening to this has been asked this one critical question at some point. I get emails probably every month or two that ask this question. And it's, thank you for purchasing, you know, whatever it is. How likely are you to refer a friend to us uh-huh. on a scale of 1 to 10, right? That's all you got to do. And that scale of one to 10, there are basically three sections. I th- I'm trying to remember what it is. I think it's one to six is a 
detractor, somebody who would never, ever be appropriate to ask a referral uh, from, mm-hmm. for a referral from them. Um, but once you know that they are in that category, you got to do something. You got to improve mm-hmm. their impression of you. And so asking that question and then following up to help solve whatever problem they had with you is really critical. But you're probably not ever going to ask them for a referral. Right. The next two, seven and eight, are neutral. And it means that you didn't do exactly what they were expecting in the relationship to earn that nine or ten that that, um, you'd like for them to have given you. They might be good to ask for a referral, but first you have to take an interim step of finding out how you could have improved the experience they had. Mm -hmm. And so again... When you get a seven or eight, you want to reach out to them and say, hey, what can we do to improve, right? Yep, yep. So detractors, you say, what went wrong and how can we fix it? Second mm-hmm. one, how can we improve? The nines and tens, well, those are the ones that you immediately say, well, thank you. By the way, and and you know, Ken, Ken talks about this in terms of personal. If you are a the face of your business, the best way to follow up with them and say, hey, thanks so much. By the way. It would personally help me out if you left us a review on, you know, Google um, or Yelp or whatever, or or whatever is going to help your business. It, you recorded a quick testimonial about your experiencing and talking about where you were before we helped you and where where you are now uh, as mm-hmm. a result of working with us. Um, you know, can you shoot that on your phone? We'd love to put it on our website. Right, that kind of thing is tremendously helpful. Now, that's not a referral, but it is social proof. Right, right. Okay? But those are the people who you want to actually engage in asking for help growing your business. And then there are there are appropriate ways to do it that are not, you know, uh, hi, I get paid in two ways, right? Uh, <laughs> that, that's such a slimy way of asking for referrals or sliding a piece of paper across the desk and saying, Hey, could you write down three names of people you think uh, could also use my service? Mm-hmm. That's that's a pretty terrible one too. And so we teach a whole bunch of other ways that are much more effective, including you know most most people are not likely to refer if you simply say, "Hey, if you know anybody, or you know anybody who is a fill in the blank, uh, I yeah. think, uh, you know I I I I'm I'm accepting new clients, right? <laughs> that's not." Yeah. They're not going to think of you. But if you give them tools by which they can refer you, a good example is, you know, a book. If you if you write or you publish, you have a book published under your name. A lot, a lot of those books out there aren't actually written by the people whose names are on them. My name what? Is. Um, I had no idea. I'm so disillusioned now. I, I hope you're kidding. Um, I'm very much kidding. I spoke to a copywriter. I spoke to a ghostwriter today, actually. Right. So... But 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 it's a tool that can be used really effectively to a boost your authority and then give it to your client and give them two or three copies and say, you know, please please pass this along to somebody who could benefit from the knowledge in there. Mm, yes. That is indirectly a referral, and then you can always do follow up. Yeah, um, yeah. An, an, another mechanism, and we we work with a lot of financial advisors, so another referral mechanism that we use with with them is. You know, for their best clients, who is very clear. First of all, if they're they're super focused and niched in a in a specific um, uh, profession, for example, right? It's easy to know. Oh, you work with doctors who who are 
uh, in this hospital group. I, I happen to know a lot of doctors just like me who are in this hospital group, right? That's an mm-hmm. easy one. Um, but we have that we have one uh, approach, which is take your best clients out for lunch or dinner for their birthday, mm-hmm. offer to to host that dinner and invite, you know, their favorite couple who they who they'd like to join you. Oh, that's genius. Okay. Then this is where the genius comes in. You pay for dinner. You tell them that you need to leave early. You know, dinner's on you, uh, and feel free to order dessert and everything, and, and enjoy the rest of the evening. And you just leave. Who are they going to talk about for over dessert for the rest of that evening? Wow! Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, there's all kinds of ways to orchestrate referrals, and that's that's just an example of one. And and that's the kind of thing that that you wouldn't intuitively think of because you're often thinking you're going for cheap. You're thinking about you know mm-hmm. clicks, uh, cost per click and whatever, and that's. You know, I, I imagine that's probably going to cost fifty, a hundred bucks to 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 do that, but or, or, or more. But think about the value these, of of right. you know an investment portfolio that you're going to win from that other couple who had a, a pleasant evening with you, never ever talked about money or investing or anything. Uh huh. Right, and then they they find out what an amazing you know money manager you are over dessert. Yep, and if you're going to make ten thousand dollars, you do that. Five times at two hundred bucks a piece, you just mm-hmm. got a ten thousand dollar client for one thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. And so, so it, I mean, and that's and you're doing it over dinner. <laughs> like that, that's not hard work, right? Right. So, so that's the way that that we think about referrals is how you orchestrate them, how you make them happen. But you have, as 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 the business owner, the control over the process, not just sort of blindly saying, "Hey, I hope you can help me out." And, yeah. and, and you know, from there, it's all in the hands of, of you know other people. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's all about you know. Spe- even if you are doing the hoping help me out, because I, w- I sold life insurance many years ago, mm-hmm. and and it was kind of you know lower lower end market, so so low middle income yep. families with kids, but but we had some freebies that were great for parents, and so that worked well on the who else you know with kids who would like the freebies. Yeah, you know, forget about the life insurance. I don't know if they need it. You don't know if they need it. But you know, would they want the freebies? Because you like the freebies. That's why you booked the appointment. Um, and that actually worked pretty well. But but they weren't referrals. They were leads. Mm-hmm. They were you know I know these people who who will engage with you up for for two minutes on the phone because you dropped my name right and might want this free stuff because it's pretty cool free stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that's and of course these were these are policies. The commission on each one was like one hundred eighty bucks. So you know thirty dollar a month life insurance policies, yep. which nobody's going to build a million dollar business on $30 a month life insurance policies. Right. Uh, but, but, but it was the specificity that worked when it, when mm-hmm. I sold cars, I said, who else, do you know, who needs a car? No, but I don't know. Who yes. I don't know. who needs a car. Um, so yeah, you really need to know, like I'm looking for, you know, who do you know who has children under the age of 12 who would like this thing for them? So, so I want to go back to the car thing because there's, there's a great story that, um, who, who tells this? I think Dan Kennedy tells this. If you don't know Dan Kennedy, he's he's you know one of the influencers in the space that that I'm in, which is all about strategic um, business building. Mm-hmm. Um, and he tells this story about the culture of referral in a business. Yes. And as an example of the culture of referral, he talks about the guy who 
I don't even remember when this was. He's he sold more cars. Yeah, uh, and he, he wasn't even like the owner of the dealership. He was just the the most successful car salesman ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, do Do you know this story at all? I I, I know the guy you're talking about. I can't remember his name. So sure one, Chevy's. One of the things that he did was he sat as people came in. He sat them down in his little cubicle or whatever his you know um, office space was. Mm-hmm. And he was surrounded by um, Polaroids of people who had all bought cars from him. And there were like little lines from one picture to the next, to the next, to the next. And so you couldn't help but ask, you know, who are these people or what's the connection? Or maybe he brought it up at some point just as an offhanded, you know, remark. So-and-so referred so-and-so to to me, Right. You were referred by this person, and that person's picture was there. All mm-hmm. of his sales were built on referrals. And so the implication of him showing you this was he was indoctrinating you into his culture. You, of course, are going to be referring people to me once you become a customer of mine. You're not going to end the trail, are you? No, right? That's uh, yes. I mean, that's that's uh, as humans, we can't we can't tolerate things that are incomplete. Mm-hmm. Tradition ends with you, right? No, of course it does not. <laughs> you must continue the tradition. So, so I mean, there's all kinds of ways, and, and I'm not sure how we got off on the the tangent of referrals, but the, the, I think the point here is there's so many ways to think about business growth. Mm-hmm. And I know you know for for some it's just getting off your butt and starting the business. Uh, that helps, yeah. It's a good start. But, but once you're you're thinking about, okay, how am I going to really approach this with a plan, with systems, then it, it's helpful to know that there are systems out there, models out there, frameworks out there that people have proven that are a much better path for you rather than all of the terrible trial and error that most businesses which end up failing you know yep. going down that path yeah yeah that's huge and, and actually one of the things we talked about uh on a previous call that i want to share with folks is the importance of of focusing on what you uh, what solution you provide and not just what you offer um and and my specific example was was i was offering the vision values and gratitude uh workshop and you're like those are cool what do they do for you mm-hmm. and and you know, as we discussed, we came up with with I it it helps keep people away from the shiny objects, shiny objects syndrome, which I didn't realize resonated as universally uh, until you pointed out. And everyone I've said it to is like, "Oh my god, shiny objects! I'm always chasing shiny objects. old, young, male, female, black, white, everyone, shiny objects. I know exactly what that means." Um, but you know, so think about not just like if you're a financial advisor, you don't sell investment strategies; you sell comfortable, worry-free retirement. As, as an example, right? You, yeah. you, you, you sell, uh, you know, being able to afford that thing that you want, whether it's the boat, the house, the paying mm-hmm. college for your kid, uh, or um, protecting your assets from from <laughs> somebody who could get their hands on them if you didn't want them to. Yeah. Uh, that, that might be uh, family members. That might be the government, you know. So there's all kinds of positioning and knowing your market Mm-hmm. Helps you better understand the positioning. Yes, right. So the you know who wants to avoid taxes? Well, there's only a certain category of people who want to avoid taxes at you know a certain level, and so 
for for that group, you're going to talk about that. Yep. Right. So, but I'm I'm glad that the the shiny object thing, you know, resonates uh, so universally because I I st- I know all about it. I teach, you know, avoiding it. I opened my email this morning or yesterday morning. I can't remember when this was. And I was like, I got to have that. I got to have that. And I like, I had to, you know, rationalize with myself. Now, David, yep. you don't really need that. It's going to be a distraction. It's going to go, it's going to go on your hard drive, like everything else you own that you're never, ever, ever going to touch again. Mm-hmm. Right. So. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And, and, you know, I totally understand. Well, especially me, cause now I'm doing, you know, a lot of affiliate connections. And kind of keeping track of, of you know which ones are the one the relationships worth really focusing on and promoting, which ones are the ones that are kind of in the back pocket, which ones aren't even worth talking to. Um, you know, everything is shiny in front of me at this point coming out of SAL, and like I'm surrounded by shiny objects everywhere. So uh, that is that is a huge challenge. And so you know, what, one of the things that I know you do is help guide people through decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to the right answer. And I think that's one of the best ways to enter into a avoiding shiny objects, um, you know, situation. It's also a really good way to plan uh, the beginning of a business or the growth of a business is have somebody who knows this stuff or knows how to prompt you to, Think about the right things. Mm-hmm. Yep, as a guide, as as a, 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 for accountability, for um, for knowledge, for introductions to the right solutions, etc. And so, I think that's one of the things that I would have done differently had I had the opportunity. Is really found somebody to guide me through a lot of the process, a, a lot of you know the experiences that I had. So that I could have avoided some of the some of the mistakes, um, yeah. And hi- highly, highly recommend that anybody who finds himself needing to make decisions that they don't know how to make, mm-hmm. they they get help. Yep. And even if they think they don't make them, it's still yes. having someone to check check your work because yep. sometimes you know the the, the cobblers. You know, I help other people avoid shiny objects. I'm tripping over them myself because mm-hmm. if I don't have the second set of eyes looking, you know. You can't be your own second set of eyes. Yeah, um, and sometimes it's, it's really it's really sneaky because um, you know like one of the, the core concepts in the industry is is the idea of you'll know, have a high ticket offer and, and build that. And I personally come to the realization that for me at the moment that's a shiny object. Is that's not that's not the core thing I'm focused on. And I keep going back to it because I keep getting so many people you know very successful people recommending oh you got to build your high ticket offer and then I'll spend three weeks focusing on that. Yep. not get anywhere and then come back and be like, okay, no, 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 that's not what I'm doing right now. I will eventually, that time will come. I'm not in that place yet where that fits what I'm doing. Um, and I think some of it is, cause you know, you think shiny objects, like, oh, it's, it's some dumb thing in your email, but sometimes it's advice from really smart people. That's just not the advice you personally need. Yeah. Or it's not, it's not appropriate at that, at that moment in time. Absolutely. Yeah. I, um, I, I remember, so by the way, we have a high ticket offer. We have a super high ticket offer. We don't have a low ticket offer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and and that's one of the things that we've actually um, been been uh, <laughs> trying to figure out how to deal with because we have so many people who would love to work with us, but what we do, what we offer, is financially inaccessible or is just not 
right for um, those people at the, the point in their business that they find themselves. And so mm-hmm. that's one of the things that we, we need to do. We don't, so it's not shiny object, but we, <laughs> but we find ourselves that, we, that we are missing out on this, this a opportunity for us to, yep. um, to earn income, but, but more importantly, to help the people who have raised their hand and said, we want your help, right? We, we, as, as you know, you, you met, you met my partner at that event, um, that we both attended. And uh, he, he came off as a celebrity every time he um, opened his mouth in a, in a room. And then we all came back into the big room. People were saying, wow, that Ken Cook, he's so awesome. I taught him everything he taught. He said to people, but, you know. <laughs> um, but, but it's a hat. But, the hat has what it's, it's his big cowboy hat. So we ended up having a ton of people come to us afterwards and say, hey, how can I work with you? And we didn't have something for them. Oh, okay. Yep. So I, I think... Actually, the, the the high ticket thing. This is this is a, a lesson that I learned as well, because I focused on on that. Is that first get the clients or the customers, right? Mm-hmm. Sell them the thing that they think they want, right? It, what, what what's the phrase? You know, sell sell them what they want, and give them what they need, mm-hmm. and then find out what else they need, or find out mm-hmm. what else they want, yep. and create it and sell that to them. And then you find out where they need to go next and create that and sell that to them. Or affiliate to someone who creates it. And Correct. But but the, the point is the, sell, the high through, yeah. the ascension to something bigger. You don't need yeah. to have all that in place right now. Yep. You could have the, the basic service, whatever that may be. Maybe it's, you know, if, if you're a, uh, a home services professional, um, maybe it's, you know, I, I come in and fix the thing that is the immediate problem in your house. And then I know that a lot of uh, people are going to keep calling me back. And so I share with the homeowner that uh, statistically I'm going to be back here three times over the next two years. And I have a maintenance plan that will actually prevent that and be cheaper. Are you interested? Mm -hmm. Right. There's all kinds of uh, ascensions once you figure out what the next thing is that they're going to need. Yep. That's that's a really powerful concept. I love that. It makes me feel better about not having a high ticket offer. So. Yeah, it's because to have that, you really need to like zero in on, on who the avatar is and all the details. And and it's, and you know, for the longest time, like, oh, I'm just such a bad business owner. I can't do that. And it's, it's not so much that. It's I don't know who they are. It's not it's not just that I don't like to pick, um, but I don't. Uh, but it's also that, that you know, I, I'm i sure that in my travels, I'll be like, you know who I'm really good with? I'm really good with 37-year-old women from the suburbs who uh, have, you know, two kids are divorced once. That's a perfect avatar for me because I happened to work with three of them mm-hmm. and it landed perfectly, but I'm not going to know that until I work with you know, oh, all those people. Yeah. So you, you can't just jump into the, the, into the market and be like, Oh, there's my avatar right there. Um, unless you somehow already worked with those people uh, previously. Uh, y- yes and no. And that, that's a conversation for another day because it's a big conversation. <laughs> there, are, there are so many angles that you can approach that. And um, yeah, and certainly, you know, happy to, to <laughs> go to, go down that path and see if um, uh, that's that's a conversation worth having. Um, yeah. but, but that's probably um, uh, a little bit further down the path of, of some of the folks that you're working with right now, right? It's, probably, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, but you know, once they have the established business, how do we how do we fine tune it? Yeah, well, and, and that's the biggest thing is it is just to recognize that there's no one right or wrong way to do it. Well, there's plenty of wrong ways, but there's no one right way. 
It's not like, you know, you must have a high ticket offer. You must start small. You must do this. You must do that. There's, there's uh, all kinds of different ways that people have been successful tra- traveling all kinds of jagged meandering paths. Yes. Um, and so, so speaking of, of avatars and, and people who are, are good for you, um, who is the person who, if they're listening right now, should say, David, David, really help me with my business? Well, everybody should say that. Um, the well, ones- yeah, that's true. <laughs> the, one, the ones that I can be most helped to are, uh, are typically, um, as, as, we, as we said you know, at the beginning of the call, um, you know, folks who are in an established business, and mm-hmm. are trying to figure out the the marketing that just has not been working for them uh, for for you know whatever period of time, but it's usually for years, mm-hmm. uh, and and they're finally you know sort of fed up with it and, and want to figure out how to make things right. They see they they see the guy down the street or their their competitor, or their colleague who seems to be doing everything right, and they don't know why they're not succeeding. That's okay. that's the person we help. The most because that's that's sort of the the mindset that they have at the moment that we meet them. Very good. Um, yeah, and if someone, I don't think we have we have a link set up, but if somebody hears that and says, "I want to meet him," they can just reach out to me and I'll connect them to you. And yep, or they, and, or uh, they can find us. Uh, and this is an easy one um, at at thepreparedgroup.com. But we'll, we'll why don't we do this, Michael? When we um we'll drop a uh, a link somewhere. Um, so people can pick up the prepared groups um, uh, checklist that we have. Ooh, even better, so yes, yes. Guides yeah, them through uh, our entire process of how to uh, identify and extract money from from the you know the that's hiding right in front of them. Very um, fancy. So, so why don't why don't we uh, set that link up so that people can can check that out? Okay, so that, that link will be in the show notes, and since nobody looks at the show notes, they can also go to if they go to guywhoknowsaguy.com slash podcast. There's a link. Each show has its very own page with all the notes on there. So you'll find the link to uh, to David's super spiffy list of things you need to know uh, will be linked from there at guyknowsaguy.com slash podcast. So, um, David, thank you very much for being on the show. This has been great. I, I keep telling people it's a 30-minute format podcast, but I feel like my guests are too good and that's not going to happen anymore. So, uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> We'll wrap it up before before we cross into an hour, because uh, apparently people don't listen when it's longer than an hour. It's a whole different audience type. Yeah, so totally um, appreciate that. And, and this, this has been a f- fun conversation, uh, even yes. though most of the talking. Um, well, that's why it's been a fun conversation. Of course, yeah, that's why I let you talk. <laughs> if they want to hear me talk, they go to my other podcast, Morning Motivation. But if they want to hear my guests talk, they come here. So, so that's why I let you do all the talking, because you know more stuff than I do. So that's my job. I bring smart people on. I sound smart because I'm next to you. Well, I, I appreciate the opportunity to, to make you sound smart. Thank you so much. All right, thank you for being on the show. <laughs> My pleasure. This has been the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast with your host, Michael Whitehouse. This great theme song is by Patrick Howard. If you found this valuable, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast. Find the full archive of all episodes at guywhoknowsaguy.com slash podcast. Check out my other podcast, Morning Motivation. It's a daily podcast of two to five minutes with a powerful hit of motivation and inspiration to get your day started. Morningmotivation.fun or search for Morning Motivation wherever you listen to podcasts. Join the community online in the Morning Motivation Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Morning Motivation Podcast. JV Connect is coming up quick, December 12th and 13th. 
If you are looking for a networking event where you can meet people who aren't looking to just pitch you or take, but actually want to collaborate, build strategic partnerships, joint ventures, maybe even find some mentors, some coaches, people to support you, accountability partners, who knows? If you're looking for good people in an environment that's not stressful, but is set up to give you a lot of great connections in an efficient amount of time, check out JV Connect. JV-Connect.com. That's JV-Connect.com. December 12th and 13th, 2023. We'll see you there.